0: Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Lori Bierman, and I'm the Payers Contributing Editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, the role of health plans in regional economic and equity initiatives, we'll be discussing how payers and their executive leadership collaborate more broadly with other community organizations to meet common goals. Joining me is Brian Pennick, President and Chief Executive Officer of CareFirst Blue Cross Blue Shield, a leading not-for-profit healthcare company serving 3.4 million individuals and employers in Maryland, the District of Columbia, and Northern Virginia. Brian joined CareFirst in April 2015 as executive vice president of the large group Strategic Business Unit. He assumed the role of chief operating officer in May 2017, and one year later was unanimously selected by the CareFirst boards to become president and CEO. Prior to joining CareFirst, Brian was a member of Aetna's executive team, where he held key leadership positions during his 19 year tenure. Brian also currently serves on the boards of multiple community organizations, which we'll discuss during the podcast. Brian, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Lori. I'm, I'm super excited to be here, and I appreciate you having me.
0: You are very welcome. And, you know, we decided to have a conversation that sounded like a real conversation. Uh, and in saying that, um, what I mean is that, you know, we we talked briefly about Um, terms like health equity, social determinants of health, Um, many prefer now the term social drivers of health, and how those terms uh, are being used in the industry. But I know you want to really talk about them in real in in real life terms, you know, what they mean and the reality that they represent, you know, not only for the healthcare industry, but more broadly. So I'd love to turn it over to you for your opening thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know it's funny, Lori. This is actually one of the things that that attracted me to this conversation, and and I would say it's actually your interest in having that conversation that that, that got me excited uh, to to be here. You know, in in the lead up to, to this and, and to today, you know, I, I just feel like as an industry we we just seem uh, so committed uh, to labeling and branding things in in ways that that, that really just fail at the feet of the people that we're trying to reach and, and the people that we're trying to serve. And, and you, you, we talk about things like social determinants of health, and, and, and I just think it's, it's a bit fraught uh, when, when we uh, label it that way and, and we, we try to fit people into a frame like that, really for a variety of reasons. I think first, um, it, it turns this into a concept that just feels so far and, uh, and, and I think uh, different than, than how people wake up every day in, in their own lives. And and instead of just saying, look, you know, what we really mean here is that the environments, the places that the people are born into, that they're raised in, that they grow in, that they progress in uh, throughout the course of their life, it it impacts uh, who we are as people. Uh, really across a whole sphere of, of things uh, not the least of which is is health state of health and and I think even more important the trajectory of our health you know what will be our quality of life not just today but but tomorrow and and 10 years uh, into the future really determined you know by those environments by those those circumstances and, and I think if we could relate to people in, in that way I, I think it would help people really to better understand you know how do you actively participate you know whether you're the person traveling through that life and and how you think about the impact that it could have on you or whether you're the environment around that person thinking about how you positively shape the outcome. I think we've got to make the concepts far more accessible than than we ever have in the past. I think the other thing, and you and I chatted a bit about this, is is this, this notion of determinants uh, Determinant feels like it's like this is inevitable. You know, this is destined to happen. There, there, there is no moving away from from this trajectory. And, and I don't think that's right. You know, I, I think that this is really something that we should treat as, as a verb. Um, this is something that is in motion. And we're going to make choices, choices as a society, choices as an industry, how we affect those things. And the consequence, the outcome is, is something that happened based on our decisions. Um, whether or not we decided to intervene in better, more thoughtful, more effective ways, or, or whether we decided that that wasn't going to be our focus and, and our place of investment. And so I really think we've got to, to make this more relatable. I think we've got to treat it as an action and, and not a, you know, something that, that's foregone or, or, or a destination that's set in stone um, to really make this something that, that the industry, but I think even more broadly as a society, um, that we affect more consistently and more positively over time.
0: I love that perspective, Brian. And it, it brings several things to mind. First of all, I think there was some research out of North Carolina, I can't remember the organization that conducted it, that that basically found that consumers themselves don't like the term social determinants of health. And 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 why would they? And I think that it's a reflection that often our best first effort, no matter who we are, what the industry is, our best first effort to change something significant, you know, inevitably starts out a, a little flawed. And it can even it, it it starts often with the language that we use. There's so many examples of how the language that we use to talk about important issues has evolved. And I came across an example recently, there was another leader in the healthcare community who used the term never event to refer to the issue of healthcare access. And I thought, wow, you know, we have always spoken about never events in terms of medical errors, but isn't the very first error that someone can't get, can't get medical care? Um, I'll just, I'll pause there um, to get your, to get your insights on that, Brian.
1: Yeah, I, I would say another thing that I've become, you know, probably with, with time, uh, more dubious of is is anytime we say never or always. Uh, you know, I, I I feel like they're they're limiting, and uh, and and so often we're we're proven wrong that when we say something is never or something is always. Um, so I think we've got to be careful about that and and, and not be limited by our, our history in, in healthcare and and uh, and how we've thought about things historically. Um, in, in determining, you know, what's possible as, as we move into the future. Uh, you know, th- this is a, you know, this is a discussion that I would say that that if you think about the first question that you asked and, and you know, how people relate to these concepts and you think about the second thing that we're talking about in, in terms of, you know, so, so what do we do to, to affect the, the environment? You know, what I would say is, is that the thing that I hope we can learn and, and the thing that I hope we can better practice going forward in, in both regards is really flipping the paradigm. And in healthcare, if you thought about this as a market, you know we have such a propensity um, to focus on the the supply side, really driving the conversation, the supply side um, choosing the words, the, the supply side uh, talking about the the structures and, and the interventions. And and I would actually argue that if we're gonna get this right, you know, a better version of success, both in how we talk about things, but also how we relate with people whose lives that we're trying to affect in deeply personal ways, that we actually start with the demand side. And and if we can invest in a a better understanding of the reality of what's happening uh, in individual and community circumstances, and really understand from their perspective, uh, what's important and, you know, how they relate uh, to health and health concepts, how do they relate to an environment, environment concepts, um, that actually creates a better version of of intervention, and I think a better connection with, with people that's more meaningful, uh, but but also more effective and, and more consistent, more durable outcomes. And so I think a lot of this starts with you know what lens do you apply to, to these conversations? Are you starting with the people um, whose lives you're trying to impact? You're starting with the reality of how we're currently structured, and and I think that's been part of the barrier that we've had in so many different aspects of healthcare and and healthcare strategy and healthcare solutions.
0: Yes, that's an excellent point about the supply side and the demand side and I think one of the things we all experienced during covid is a disruption of all kinds of of supply and demand that certainly happened in healthcare when people could not come into a doctor's office or they had their uh, elective you know elective procedures needed to be canceled and the industry embraced telehealth, you know, and a, speaking of lens it, with a much broader lens than how it had been defined, you know, legislatively in a, in a regulatory way. And I you know, I think part of that lens is also, and you, you've alluded to this, is how do we view the community and how do we view all of the players, all of the organizations and all of the pe- people in a community Understanding that a community's health is not just limited, of course, to its to its economic prosperity, but the health of its individuals, the ability of those individuals to have opportunities to succeed and to have more capacity to succeed and be healthy because they have resources, um, you know, they people people have what they need. Can you talk about that lens on the community, and then begin to talk about uh, a healthcare organization's role in that? And then, if you want to get get specifically into a health plan's role in that, that would be great.
1: Yeah, and, and you touched on it. I, I think it's uh, we, we we all share this experience, and and. Um, it, it, was, it was unbelievably challenging, I, I think, in, in every aspect of, of not just healthcare, but, but also in society, uh, to confront a global health crisis, to confront a, a pandemic, especially something that, that we saw like COVID that happened in the way that it, that it did and, and in a way that I would say for most of us professionally we've never seen before. And, and so I, I think there's a few probably simple lessons that, that, that come out of that, Lori, that, that, that I've reflected a lot on. Um, one is humility. Uh, you know, we we were confronted with the reality that that most of the things that we had been doing in healthcare and healthcare delivery, or how we thought about um, access in, in in healthcare, and how we thought about management of, of public health and public health interest, you know, a lot of the models and the structures and the systems that were put into place um, re- really were not effective, uh, at least in the early days of response um, to managing a rapidly progressing pandemic. And and so I, I I think that all of us uh, across the entire healthcare ecosystem we're, were forced to confront that that a lot of the things that we would typically do you know historical models historical reference points r- really weren't equal to the task and that we were going to have to be more flexible and more open um, to trying some new and different things and and so I think that that humility is something that I'm really desperately hoping will will continue with us um, in healthcare as as we go forward. The other thing I would say is is collaboration. Uh, you know we. We really were, I think, open to um, collaborating across the healthcare ecosystem in, in new and different ways. And, and I saw so many organizations all across healthcare being willing to sit down and um, speak differently, connect differently about what we could do together. You know, how do we set down historical differences? How do we set down our historical definitions of who we were and the role that we play and, and look at it more practically and say, well, what's going to drive the best progress? You know, what can we do in partnership uh, with a hospital in partnership, with a health department in partnership? with local resources and local communities that, that will have the desired impact, that, that, that will create the change that, that, we're, that we're desperately trying to create under these difficult circumstances. And, and, and so I think that that thoughtfulness that we're all connected to this ecosystem that is healthcare uh, was a critical learning that, that I'm really hoping that, that we don't lose sight of. But I think the other piece of it is, is that um, healthcare interventions are not limited to healthcare resources, and, and this, I think this really drives to the heart of, of the question that you're asking. You know, we when we were, we were talking about well. You know, what do we do to educate people, you know, about behaviors and risks, you know, related to COVID transmission? And what do we do to educate people about the availability of of resources? And what do we do to educate people about the opportunity to, to protect themselves and, and the people around them? Uh, we, out of necessity, you know, looked outside of traditional healthcare resources, not just Uh, folks who are in the business of diagnosing and and treating disease, not just companies in the business of of providing benefits and access, but really looking into the community and asking ourselves some pretty fundamental questions. Where are people and who do they trust? And how do we take those trusting relationships that are are close to the people that we're trying to reach and deploy them uh, in a more intentional and, and impactful way, and, and what worked uh, in those difficult times, what worked out of necessity uh, during a pandemic um, is honestly, more often than not, what works uh, when we're trying to reach people. When we talk about uh, social and environmental circumstances, when we talk about the trajectory of health and, and the impact of health, when we're talking about interventions, you know, for chronic diseases that we live with each and every day in our communities, like, like diabetes, and, and so I think there's a, there's a level of, of thoughtfulness um, and personalization that so often gets missed in trying to deliver a healthcare system. Uh, and I think we found that again uh, during COVID. We found ha- how to touch those places more meaningfully during COVID. And, and I would really love to see us continue to invest and in, in scale in that way. Uh, and what we would traditionally think of is, is you know, outside of the healthcare ecosystem, uh, to, to really try to stretch that impact as, as we come out of you know, this next phase of, of that pandemic altered reality.
0: Uh, there's so many so many great things to circle back with you on there, Brian. I just want to call out several phrases that you've used. I mean, n- number one, I, I say phrase, but it's just like real life, you know that that keeps coming up in our conversation. That that's what it's about. Um, and related to that, I really, really loved what you said about healthcare dimensions not being limited to healthcare resources, the ability to look. To look, I think you know what we're kind of talking about is looking, looking inside and looking outside, um, which touches on the different, you know, the personal and professional dimensions of how we are and how we interact and contribute to and 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 our receive gifts from our community. So you named an, an, uh, several examples of the organizations. In communities that play an important role, you know, departments of health, local, um, local community based organizations. Can you talk about that network a little bit more? And then with that, we would transition into the different. I know you serve on a number of boards in the community, and I would love to talk about the intersection of of those roles. As you know, you as an individual and and you as a CEO. I would guess you don't compartmentalize them that way. So feel free to make that question better for sure.
1: Yeah, and I love the question, and and we we actually talk about this a lot at the company. Um, I, you know, for me personally, I, I really can't separate the two. And, and, and I think that that's, that's partially, um, you know, just the way I think about it personally. And it's partially just the reality, right? Uh, regardless of where I am uh, in the community, just given the, the role that the care first plays um, in, in the city, in the state, in the region, uh, you know, th- there isn't a moment in my life where, where I'm not the CEO of care first. And, and, and so I think about that as a, as a really important responsibility, and uh how the way I show up, uh whether it's personally or professionally you know reflects on on who we are as an organization and and the impact that that we want to have and and it's a bit of a you know I think for a lot of folks that that are leaders of organizations like ours you know it's it's just that it's that reality you know that there is no really no separating you know brian uh at, at home and and Brian at work. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's that's uh, opened up more opportunities uh, than, than, than anything else in, in in terms of the way that we're able to extend our reach uh, and, and the way that I'm personally able to talk about why these things are important, right? Because people may traditionally look at Care First and say, hey, it's a health benefits company. You know, why are you personally committed to transportation in this region, and, and, and I think uh, when you start to speak of it as is, yeah, you, you know, I, I, I'm a representative of care first, but, but I work here and I live here and my family is growing up here. Uh, and and so what's happening here, you know, uh, affects me not just professionally, but affects me in, in personal ways. That the way that affects everybody that lives in this community. And I think when you can begin to break down some of those barriers and help people to see, um, you know, that that heart, you know, try try as we may, in, in in some ways, you know, you really can't cleanly compartmentalize. You know, those those different realities, none of us can. And and so you know, I I look at it and I say, okay, well, if, if what we're talking about is, you know, really at, at its heart, you know, people. And where people are and what exists around people th- that affects their current health and their future health, um, but then you need to really ask yourself the question, well, you know, how does that impact uh, this person in this community versus that person in that community? And, and, and some of the things that, that we've talked about uh, when we get involved in, in transportation initiatives and transportation strategy is, you know, well, what does that look like in terms of quality of life? You know, if, if we're trying to have a conversation with a person about the trajectory of their health, and we're trying to get them interested in things that, that aren't immediately in front of them, um, you know, what might be on their shelf, you know, as a person, you know, that, that we need to clear um, to to create the space uh, to to get somebody interested in that discussion, and and I'll take transportation as an example. You know, so I'm sitting here today in in Baltimore City, and if you live in the greater Baltimore region. Uh, and you want to get to pretty much any job in this immediate region, uh, and you own a car, you're in luck. You can get there with one hour, no problem. Uh, If you're in this region, and you want to get to any job in this region, if you want to connect who you are as a person to that opportunity, and you're relying on public transportation, uh, you can only get to 9% of those opportunities.
0: Wow. 9%.
1: And and so you you look at that and you say to yourself, wow, you know, here we are as an industry trying to have a conversation with a person about why they should care about maintenance and management of a chronic condition like diabetes. And that person might be waking up every single day um, behind, you know, the rest of the people in the community uh, be, because they can't get to ninety-one percent of the opportunities that that exist in in this region, um, in the same way. And and you say to yourself, well, geez, well, what, what does that do practically, right? I mean, because it's like that's a big number, it's a huge delta. Then you start to think about it. It's like, well, I, I've got three young children. Um, I, you know, we're busy people. It's hard enough, you know, to to manage and and make time for the things that we're committed to uh, personally and and professionally to see each other and and spend that time together. Now, if I thought about it as, you know, I I had to to take an hour and a half, two hours, one way out of my day just to navigate the distance between where I live and the opportunity uh, to pay my bills and and to care for my family, how does that affect um, my quality of life? How does that affect my quality of health? How does that affect the amount of space on my personal shelf to engage in caring for myself, both both physically and and, and mentally and, and emotionally? And I think those are the kinds of things, uh, Lori. That that you know, when you really start to dig in to how all of these things connect, and and the impact that it has on human beings, and where we really need to be invested, uh, in terms of understanding circumstances and and how we change those circumstances for the better. You know, those are the things that I think really hit home for folks to say, yeah, you know, we're not all starting uh, from a level playing field, and. Uh, And the things that we may need to imagine doing in healthcare uh, to try to affect a positive outcome have got to be so much broader than anything that we've invested in, in the diagnosis and and treatment of disease, which is really what the U S healthcare system has organized around, has spent a disproportionate amount um, of, of its investment on.
0: That's fantastic, Brian. And I, you, you touched on, another direction that I wanted to take us in in addition to making a couple follow-up points, but the the limits that ingrained processes and just ingrained ways of thinking about things, the the limits that those things impose. And of course we've talked about how, how much COVID changed. And you, you also talked about the level playing field. Well, you know, work from home was an option for many people and it was not an option for many other people. And who would have thought that people who work in a grocery store would one day be considered frontline, you know, frontline employees? I think of all the people who didn't have the same choices as others did. And that just, the, you know, that that radiates out. And I think it also connects to something else you spoke of. This These broader ideas of not only health, but I'll also say wealth and like concepts of not only individual health and in all of its forms, but how we help families build generational wealth, which is so important for the long term to help um, people, you know, get out of, you know, of of long cycles of of poverty and poor health. Um, I wondered if you would want to comment on that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all, all of these things are connected. And, you know, when when you talk about this idea, you know, of of um, how you know, individuals and households and families were impacted during the pandemic, you're 100% right. Uh, there, there's so much conversation about this idea that, that we've moved to this remote work environment. And the reality is for a huge percentage of people, that was never true. That was never part of their reality. That was never an option that was on the table. That was never something that was going to allow them to continue uh, to to you know pay the bills and, and to support their needs uh, in the way that some subset of society had an opportunity uh, you know and uh, an ability and more flexibility and more choice. And, and so you know I think we have a tendency you know kind of going back to this idea of absolutes to talk about things in the extreme. you know we've got this move towards remote work culture. well no, no, we've got a, a move towards remote work and, and flexibility for a subset of, of the jobs that exist um, right. in, in our society and and for many many others you know, that, that is just not true, has not been true and, and isn't likely to be true as, as we go forward. And so I think figuring out how we reconcile that, right? Because I, I can say, you know, we had that ability. We had the ability to send 95% of our workforce remote and and to uh, enable them in a way that allowed them to care for their personal health and the health of, of their families, uh, enabled, you know, parents of, of young children to to participate in, in what was a really bumpy ride in, in terms of the school system and to make sure that the kids had access and were getting the best possible education that they could under under difficult circumstances uh, that enabled people uh, to rebalance, you know, their work commitments with their personal commitments. And so we were able to do that. and, And we did do that, you know, largely because we felt like it was a responsible thing to do. Um, to try to decrease the likelihood of transmission at work, right? As we learned what this was and and how it was was progressing, uh, but but if you were someone that, that worked in a grocery store uh, and your job was to be physically present so that people uh, in communities can get access to very basic needs, that was not a choice that was going to be made available to you. wasn't made available to you, and so I think understanding that and and talking about things in in more honest um, and transparent, and I think precise ways. You know, allows us to then get at what well, was, what are some of the adjustments that that we need to consider, you know, and how do we manage that that differently as we we go forward? Uh, because if we design systems and constructs in healthcare that that best serve the needs of only a small number of people, by definition, we're not going to get to the right uh, structure, the, the right solutions for 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 broader populations and and for the public at large. And, and I think that is a thing, you know, that that, that healthcare uh, needs to confront is, is that it's not just about our ability to administer. These large systems, it's whether or not these large systems are working on behalf of the people that we're trying to reach in an equitable way, and and so these are things that we look at, and, and as and as we tie that back to what's happening structurally in communities, you know, I'll, I'll go back uh, to transportation. You know, we're we're heavily invested in in a. Uh, multi-sector transportation initiative that that is advocating for uh, investment in transportation infrastructure in in this region in the Mid-Atlantic region from from really you know Richmond north to to Baltimore and and, and everything in between, and and we're going to continue to press that uh, at the legislative level. We're going to continue to talk to lo- local electeds. We're going to continue to work in the private sector around how do we secure funding and and what does public-private partnership look like. Uh, But then as organizations, I also think we need to take a step back and say, yes, let's do that. And that's likely going to take a decade or more um, to mature, right? That, that, That those solutions, those options, you know, are critical to getting it right into the future, but they don't necessarily help people right now. And and so as a company, what we've said is, is that, you know, how do we break these things out and say, all right, let's plan for and advocate for the long term and make sure that we get this increasingly right structurally. And then in the near term, what are some things that we can do different right now? Uh, that begin to change the trajectory of people's lives in local communities. And, and so if you, you were to say, all right, 9% of the jobs are, are available to you if you're relying on public transportation within one hour, you know, that is a huge barrier um, to your quality of life and, and to your state of health and to the opportunities that, that exist for you. And, and if it's going to take us 10 or more years uh, to, to get this transportation infrastructure really moving in a direction where it's firing on all cylinders, well, what can we do next? And and when you start to look at it from that perspective, large institutions, anchor institutions like ours, I think start to solution differently. And and the way that we've approached that is, well, you know what, we could probably bring the jobs closer to the communities. You know, we could work with local community resources. We could work with anchor institutions and local communities and bring high paying jobs that have an opportunity for growth and development for progression proximate to the people that we are trying to reach. And that's exactly what we're doing, uh, that we are investing in a workforce Uh, Pilots and programs in partnership with other large organizations and local institutions uh, to really approach underserved communities with the mindset of uh, we have an opportunity that exists, the community can best determine how to deploy that opportunity, how do we better create those connections and, and decrease the dependency on a transportation infrastructure that just isn't equipped yet. To serve people's needs. We look at that and say, you know, that that's what it looks like to participate um, more thoughtfully and and I think more effectively as an anchor institution in the community. Well,
0: well, and, and, you know, talk about not compartmentalizing, you know, that we touched on earlier, not compartmentalizing personal and professional, not setting up an either or proposition of short term and long term investment, you know it's really a both and scenario, and it's it's the kinds of investments that community driven organizations make are investments that will long outlive people who are in those roles. you know that's a that's a a fantastic design and long term thinking is 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 hard for us to do as as humans in general as a closing question we've touched on so many of the things that I'm about to ask you um, but wanted to ask you for additional thoughts. How have you seen that the role of the, the health plan and its CEO has, has changed over the past several years in terms of how the plan as a player and, and you as a leader are a player in the broader goals of a community, of a region, including those that extend beyond what we typically think of healthcare. And I think that will be a great place to close.
1: I, I would say increasingly, I see healthcare pressing towards the convergence of uh, doing what's right and doing what's smart. And, and it would be a mistake to assume that everything that every organization and industry does as they focus on community is, is driven exclusively by, by altruism. It would be a mistake to think that. Uh, but but I would say those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, we're doing things, Lori, that we believe are right. Uh, but I would also say we're doing things that we think are smart. And, and what I mean by that is, is that I, I think healthcare is coming to the conclusion uh, that the trajectory that we've been on is just not sustainable. Uh, we're a 23.3 trillion dollar economy in the United States. 18.3 percent of that is healthcare spend, and and I think that as we reflect on the amount of money that we're investing, right, the percentage of the economy that's being driven by this healthcare infrastructure that people in local communities are paying for and continue to tell us that they cannot afford. Uh, that We have to reconcile that we're not getting the outcomes, the impact, the benefit based on the level of investment. And, and that's a smart thing to consider. That's a smart thing to measure. That's a smart thing to unpack and ask yourself, well, why? We're spending an incredible amount of money. Uh, why are we not seeing the state of health in this country improve why are we not seeing satisfaction in participating in the health system improve to the degree that we would want or need and and in most other parts of industry we would be maniacally focused on that right and and we would we would work uh, to to improve that i would say healthcare um, is seeing that convergence to say that there are some right things that we need to tackle. You know, the social consciousness of of institutions and local communities is necessarily and appropriately heightened, and I think increasing over time. Uh, and in healthcare, I think we're looking at it and saying to ourselves geez, this is not a sustainable trajectory. You know, With that amount of expenditure, we, we should be doing a whole lot better in terms of the impact and the effect that we're having on, on people who rely on our services. And, and so I, I think that's a lot of what you're seeing drive this. And, and as we compare the United States to other parts of the world, it's not just the amount of money we spend, it's how we spend our money that needs to be part of that dialogue and and so the you know we're we're in the early stages i think still and you know pro- progressing probably slower than many of us that that i you know would would wish we were progressing uh, that uh, we've got to reorient that spend. We, we've got to get upstream. We, we can't just think about this as symptomatic relief or symptomatic solutions or treatment of the manifestation of disease. We've really got to think about uh, in a more sustainable environment, not just in terms of health and quality of life, but also economics for this country, addressing the start of what affects state of health and, and health progression in individual lives and, and communities. And, and so I see this as a really critical moment in time whereas an industry and a society you know we're at that convergence of of doing what's right and doing what's smart and sustainable into the future
0: that's great brian you know you talked about the maniacal focus and uh, on things that maybe don't matter as much as we thought they did and as i get older I have come to realize that what I don't do and what I don't say is just as important as what I as what I do. So I just I appreciate you talking about that. And I can't thank you enough for the conversation today. It really was a conversation and it has been a great one.
1: Thank you so much, Lori. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Brian. And thank you to everyone listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be here each Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights and great conversations.